Hello and welcome to the Iowa Basketball Coaches Association podcast. I'm your host, Derek Dangler. Before we start, I just want to encourage those of you who coach in the state of Iowa to join the IBCA this season. As a member, in addition to a $2 million insurance policy for your staff, you'll also get access to our Coaches Corner and Lucio Whiteboard. Your team will become eligible for either all region or all state awards and much more. If you're interested, go to our website's link, which should be included in the description below if you have any questions or need more information. All right, let's get to the show. Coaches, welcome back to the IBCA podcast. Happy to have with us today uh, Brandon Schwab, currently the head girls basketball coach at Bishop Garrigan High School. Uh, Coach, thanks for coming on and joining the podcast today. Absolutely. Thanks a lot for having me. So, Coach, love to start you off with one of my favorite questions to ask anybody. Um, The question is, who are your favorite top three favorite basketball players of all time with two caveats? Can't be someone you played with or coached. And it can't be someone overly famous, someone my mom might know. So who are your top three favorite basketball players of all time? Well, there's a lot of them, but, you know, some ones that come to my mind is, you know, I love watching Sean Kemp play, uh, you know, Larry Johnson, Dominique Wilkins, you know, and one of my favorite college players of all time from the Hawkeyes were Andre Woolridge. I love the way he played the point guard role and just uh, the way he played in control. I, you know, those are some players that come to my mind that, I just loved watching play, you know, growing up and, 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 and getting, falling in love with basketball. So any, anything in particular about someone like Sean Kemp, why, why was he someone that, you know, caught your eye? That's one I've heard a little bit before, but not a ton. What, what's something about him or Dominique Wilkins that you're like that, you know, I really enjoyed that piece of watching them. You know, I thought Sean Kemp and Larry Johnson just brought, um, you know, the physical part of the game of just, you know, they played above the rim. And when they dunked the basketball, it was everybody in the place knew they dunked the basketball. And, you know, they brought that intimidation factor, uh, you know, to the game. Dominique Wilkins was just, you know, um, you know, uh, just his athleticism and the, and, and the way uh, he controlled the game and ran the floor. And he was so fun to watch in transition. And like I said, Andre Woolridge, I just loved at the point guard role at for the Hawks, I, I, I just love the way he played in control, played off two a lot, and, and, and really, really enjoyed him watching some good years being a Hawkeye fan there. Absolutely. Well, thanks for sharing those, Coach. I appreciate that. Um, we'll jump into your background here a little bit. So, Coach, currently the head girls coach at Bishop Garrigan. Going all the way maybe back to even your playing days in high school, um, uh, what was your journey to get to that position like? How did you get into coaching? Um, where have you been and and what's that experience been like for you? You know, I went to a small school in North central Iowa. That's not even uh, a school district anymore at Corwith Wesley Laverne. Um, you know, and my high school coach was, uh, Keith Wagner, who is currently the, uh, head boys basketball at IKM Manning. He was my high school basketball coach for four years. So I, I learned a lot from Keith, uh, or coach Wagner through the years. And we still stay in contact of, um, and I had a great experience um, with having him coach, coach me, you know, uh, when, when I got done with high school and went to Nyack, I, uh, you know, got into coaching, um, you know, my second year at Nyack in 2000, being the junior high boys basketball coach at Mason City Newman. I just, uh, I loved basketball even since high, you know, when I was in high school and, uh, 
you know, um, I wasn't a player that could play above the rim or anything like that. So it was kind of tough for me to move on to play basketball at the next level. But I, I've always enjoyed the game. So, you know, I went one year at Mason City Newman in 2000 as the uh, um, junior high boys basketball coach. And then I transferred to UNI. And when I went to UNI, you know, I was applying for different assistant coach positions throughout the Cedar Falls area. And, you know, uh, a Jessup assistant opened up, which is about, you know, 20 minutes, 25 minutes east of um, Waterloo Cedar Falls area. And I was uh, able to be the assistant there for uh, four years at Jessup. Um, after four years at Jessup, the head girls coach came open at Vinton Shellsburg down by Cedar Rapids. Um, and I was at, I was the head girls there for four years from 2005 to 2009. Um, you know, and then um, an opportunity came apart and, and I taught full time then. And then a opportunity came to me. I've grown up on a family farm to come back to the farm and to be able to farm some acres and farm with my, my dad. And, um, I took that opportunity. So, uh, left Benton and, um, came back and there was just no head coach. I, I knew I still wanted to coach. I just didn't know, uh, how that would work, not being a full-time teacher anymore, but I knew I, I just wanted to be involved in the game still. And, uh, you know, there, there was really no head coaching opens back in the Algona area at that time. So um, I jumped on as an assistant at um, Algona High School for two years in uh, 2009 and 2010 as the assistant girls coach. And then the Bishop Garrigan job came open in 2011. And, uh, you know, I've been there for 13 years or 12 years now being the head girls at Garrigan. Awesome. Oh. A great journey, Coach. I, I kind of love the Iowa piece of coming back and being able to farm like that, unique to the area, I think. Um, know we have a lot of guys who do that, though. Um, Coach, have you coached anything else besides basketball during your time in education, or has it has just been on the basketball side? You know, I've, you know when, you, when you're a young teacher and you get involved, you'll do about anything to get yourself a teaching job. So, That's you know, right. that first, uh, you know, at Jessup, I was uh, assistant football coach. I was uh, – head boys track coach. I mean, I helped at everything at Vinton. I was uh, assistant football coach and, you know, anything I could uh, do to help that uh, young public school wage get up, you know, you were grabbing to help, to help out. And, uh, you know, so yeah, I, I mean, I coach football and I coach track and I coach golf before. So, you know, I, I've been involved in everything, but, uh, you know, obviously my favorite's always been basketball and it's the only thing I coach anymore this basketball, except for my uh, 10-year-old's youth baseball team, uh, his fourth grade team. Uh, well, we're battling a couple days a week right now uh, to throw strikes right now. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I love that, Coach. I, I've had a similar experience myself. Um, is there anything you've taken? You know, for me, I, I know um, I've coached golf. I've coached baseball. I, I coach junior high football still. Um, to me, there's some things that kind of connect across all those sports, but I was wondering if you have any of that similar experience. Is there anything from sport to sport that you just feel like doesn't matter what you're coaching, maybe even what age level you're coaching, that just there's some key pieces there that, that you've kept from uh, other positions into your, your current role? Yeah, you know, I, it doesn't matter. And, you know, a lot opened my eyes, you know, being involved in the different sports as far as even, even the golf aspect of it you know 
I didn't know a lot about golf. It was one of them positions I was willing to help out with for a year. I play golf, but that doesn't mean I'm a teacher of the game. You know, uh, it, it, it didn't matter what sport I've coached, you know, every, every player, every kid just wants to improve and they want to see their game get better. And it doesn't matter if that's golf, that's not, uh, you know, energetic sport that you know you've got a coach effort or anything like that in but those kids want to see their game improve and 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 you know that takes you back to every night when you're getting a practice planner um things together for practice of what can i do to help this kid improve because there's nothing better that i've enjoyed other than watching a team or an individual really improve their game and and be able to see that on film see that from the sidelines of you know, things that they weren't good at, you know, when the season started being better at it, you know, towards the end of the season is, is always been something fun to me to watch. And, uh, you know, just being able to watch players compete and, uh, you know, get better is, is the main thing that, I, you know, I connect and doesn't matter what sport that is. Absolutely. That drive to watch kids improve is all, you know, and every kid can do that is I think one of those things that keeps us all around. Um, so coach, you mentioned Keith Wagner, your high school coach. Do you have any other, or you can speak to him a little bit too, but any other influences that have kind of, um, kept you in coaching or just kind of influenced your style, uh, throughout your career? Yeah. You know, when I, when I got to, uh, Jessup, um, I was fortunate enough to work, uh, as an assistant under Tim Kelly and Jim Gillespie, um, really good basketball minds at Jessup. You know, they taught me how to prepare you know, for practices and games and the importance they, those two really helped me fall in love with practice, you know, just really. And, and I would say that to this day, I would much rather have a practice than coach a game really right now. I, I, I really enjoy practice. And, you know, I attribute a lot of that to those two coaches, you know, um, just making me fall in love with practice and the preparation. I remember being at Jessup and uh, my first year at Jessup in 2001, um, we had a we had a pretty good girls team at the time. We, I think we finished third or fourth in the league in a very tough league. Um, Union Yellow Port had two girls going to Iowa at that time, um, and, and and it was just a, a very strong league that we went to. And I remember playing Makokota Valley in uh, the first round of the district uh, playoffs, and going to Makokota Valley. And Tom Pesca was the coach there, and they were ranked number one in the state. We were. I think top 20, but we weren't barely there, you know, and, uh, and I remember the preparation that when watching Tim Kelly and Gillespie put into that game and we ended up beating the number one team in the state first round of districts at their place in overtime. And I just remember after that game being like, you know, we knew everything that they were going to do, you know, every out of bounds play, every set, you know, either, Tim or Jim were calling out the set as, as their coach was making that set. And I, I was just in awe of how much the team was prepared that night that uh, um, of just, and, and how good it felt to put that much time into it and be able to execute. That was, was a lot of fun. You know, uh, once I got to Vinton Shellsburg, um, I was able to connect with, you know, Rich Hawk. He was a state champion coach in 90 or 91 for uh, Cedar Falls. He happened to be my junior high coach at Vinton Shellsburg at the time. And, uh, you know, a lot of good talk, 
coaching talks with him and, uh, you know, of just how he ran things and, uh, you know, and, and, and just bouncing ideas off of him. And then, you know, the last one that comes to my mind is Larry Niemeyer, uh, coach at uh, Cedar Rapids Jefferson for a lot of years, Hall of Fame guy, top five all-time winning coaches in girls basketball history. You know, when I was a young coach, first year head coach at Benton Shellsburg, uh, you know, I remember playing in summer leagues and our schedule was tough and we'd play at Jefferson Summer League and Washington Summer League and Kennedy Summer League and, and, and we weren't very good, you know, and uh, I remember sitting and having a lot of talks with Coach Niemeyer just about, you know, ways I've got to turn the program around and, and, and his number one thing that he always came back to me with was keep your schedule tough, you know, do not, um, just because you're not where you want to be right now as a team playing bigger schools playing better teams is going to get your program where you want it to be and you know I've always taken that no matter where I've coached you know um, I've always wanted to do everything I could to challenge our players even outside of their comfort zone every single time that we play so you know if you've followed us at um, Bishop Garrigan the last 13 years you know we try every year to schedule number one teams in the state. You know, last year when we won the title, you know, we played Dyke New Hartford non-conference. They won the two-way title, Newell Fonda yeah. state semis, West Lyon was at state, Iowa City West. You hear not a lot of 5A school and girls playing 1A schools, you know, and that, and that's, you know, like I tell Coach Mayer at, uh, at Iowa City West that, um, you know, it's a tribute to those guys that, you know, they don't look down on us 1A guys. You know, they understand what good basketball is. And, uh, you know, being able to um, play that and allow us to challenge our, our small school 1A is, is a lot of fun. So I've, I've always take that from Coach Niemeyer that challenge your players. Don't be afraid to lose during the regular season. Get your team better for districts. So we've always tried to do that. Absolutely. Well, thanks, Coach. Some great names there to share. Um, I really appreciate you taking time sharing those. Um, so, Coach, been coaching since, you know, 2000. So, you know, 20 years in the game here. Um, what do you feel like has changed the most for you, it, whether assistant or head coach? What's changed the most over the course of that time? You know, I used to be when I got in such a set play guy, you know, and, and nothing wrong with being a set play. I, I have completely opened that up to more of a spread motion offense, letting players play the game offensively and, 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 you know, teaching how to play the game the right way and being able to get a flow to a game. We talk a lot at Garrigan about the flow to the game and making sure that, you know, when, when we're running our sideline break and we're getting ball reversal through the four and we're reversing the ball into a ball screen and, and that's just happening without me saying anything, um, that that's fun to watch for me. You know, um, I used to be a, when I first got in and I, I still find myself at times with this, of you know, I used to have to control everything as the head coach, you know, I, uh, you know, I did all of the out of bounds plays, you know, I did all the post, uh, perimeter stuff. I did all the sideline out of bounds, half times talks before games, you know, now my assistant coach do all the baseline out of bounds. My assistant coach do the sideline out of bounds. Halftime talks, before game talks, start with my assistant coaches. You know, um, you know, I really kind of opened up and understand that um, 
you know, hearing multiple people's opinion to the kids is a big thing. You know, it just can't be your voice all the time because, you know, those assistants want to coach, they want to be involved. They want to do um, as much as they can. And they um, um, need that freedom to do that. And, you know, I also, I also used to think that um, I think I was a little harder nosed as far as if you missed a workout or if you um, had something going on the weekends, you know, I thought it was the end of the world when you first get into coaching of why this player isn't there. You know, I, I promote as much as anybody to be three, four sport athletes. We have to at Garrigan be in a small school and I need, I guess, I'm okay with you with basketball being your third favorite sport to me. I'm okay with that. You know, if you need to go and hit in the cage, if you need to, you know, work on your pitching right after or before basketball practice, I've got no problem with that anymore. You know, I, I used to have, you know, players go play club volleyball on the weekends sometimes. And, you know, they come back, you know, I used to not like that, but, you know, as, 22 years in into it I'm you know as long as they're at my stuff who who am I to tell them who that what they can't do you know I mean I I've always thought as long as they're all me when they're in the gym and the time I'm asking for them whatever they do on their free time is their free time you know and and I just I don't control that as much as I felt I used to in my first four five six years coaching I just I, I, it's a battle not worth going. And I've lost some kids through the years trying to battle that rather than just being okay with, you know, before practice, you want to go pitch softball for 45 minutes, go do it. You know, I'll, I'll see you in film before practice. And I think we've got some you know, tweener kids out and staying out because of that. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. makes a big difference. A um, lot of pieces there to touch on coach. I think some that I'll come back to, but we'll kind of good transition, I think to transition over into um, you guys and your teams that you've had these last few years at Bishop Garrigan. So I'll just start with a pretty open-ended question. For people who haven't watched your team play, and I, I would guess most people listening to this podcast probably have, uh, but for people who haven't watched uh, your team play, uh, how would you describe uh, your high school style of play? How, how would you, uh, if someone was watching, what would you want them to take away from watching your team play? The number one thing that I'd like people, and I think, uh, you know, when you watch us play is our communication of our players on the floor, you know, players talking to players, bringing raw emotion to the floor is something we talk about and we work on every day of practice, you know, um, of just, you know, we're, we try to be as hard nosed defensively as we possibly can be every night. And, and it starts with communication and, you know, we talk every day in practice. If you are not talking, you're not playing defense. And I've got to find somebody to put into the game that's willing to communicate um, on offense and defense when you're cutting to the basket, when you're defending a ball screen, when you're in the front in the post. It's just such a, a help to our defense. So, you know, we play a very up tempo style. Um, we, we love to run the sideline break. We love to, you know, start with a ball screen to try to get a mismatch and, and, and play downhill. You know, I mean, everybody loves a fast paced game. We try to spread the floor and, um, and, and really play hard nosed defenses um, kind of our, our goal every year. 
Excellent. So, so you started there with communication. So let's go ahead and um, let me, I'd like to ask you a little bit about that. You know, uh, are there, is there anything you feel like you've done as a coach that has encouraged that communication piece, you know, obviously emphasizing it all the time, but is there anything else that you feel like you guys have brought to the table where maybe that's been able to improve? You know, I guess you substituting for non-communicators is the best way to make them communicate better. You know, we will have, you know, my assistant, uh, Joe Bartolo and Mick Elbert, they'll each take two players and I'll take one player defensively early in the game. And we will watch nothing more than just, are they talking on the defensive end? And if they are not, the assistant coaches, whoever, I want them subbed out early in the game. And when they come out, you know, I want them to talk to of why they're out. It has nothing to do with where their position is. It has everything to do with, are their mouth open? Are they communicating? And then, you know, it doesn't take a couple times and eventually those players want to stay on the floor and they understand, you know, that that's going to be a big point of us to be a good basketball team in February and March is communication. And, and we, we get after that day one of practice and, you know, and we'll do it in practice drills and three on twos and advantage situations that, you know, if you're not talking, you're out of the drill, you know, and just eventually players usually sooner than later understand that they want to be in the drill. They want to be on the floor and they understand that communication is key. And I, I guess it's just a point of emphasis that, uh, my assistant coaches and and we do every day in practice of, of just on them about talking and communicating defensively and offensively and substitution patterns the easiest way to get get them get them to play a little more absolutely is there anything specifically you're let's start on the defensive side of the ball like you're you're giving to your players like these are the specific things we want to communicate on is is there some key points that you try to highlight especially early in the season uh, of what they need to be saying. Yeah, you know, um, depending on how we play the ball screen is uh, is a huge communication thing, you know. Um, and each year is is different on how we're going to play that ball screen and, and how we do it guard to guard, how we do it post to guard. Um, and, you know, knowing if you go underneath, communicating on the screen, um, you know, so how we're defending the ball screens, you know, this last year we – we were fortunate enough to have very athletic guards that were able, we just switched ball to ball screens a lot, you know, got up trying to make, and the whole goal is when they came off the ball screen is make them cross back over to the other way. So jump out, make them cross back over. Let's switch that and funnel them in, in, into, into our sideline there. And um, it's not that way every year. We were fortunate this year to have those players, you know, also front, you know, how you're defending in the post, you know, we're, we take a very Don Myers um, approach to post defending the post where we're three quarter high side to drop to the low side when the ball is in the air and force the post into the middle. And that's how we do the post players. So, you know, our post players are saying high side, high side, that ball's in the air. They're immediately saying no drop step, no drop step, no drop step. You know, if it's a guard, we full front all of our guards in the post and trust our we our weak side help. So any guard gets posted up in the post region in the block, their job is to be yelling 
I'm front and I'm front and where's my weak side, even though they can't see that weak side, they're already in that position hollering, where's my weak side, weak side. And, and um, that has helped us a lot to get in the right defensive position. And, you know, I would say 90% how we teach defense is in the three on three. You know, we, we do a ton of three on three. You know, if we're going against a team that does a lot of back cuts, like, you know, backdoor cuts, like we went against North Lynn this year in the state semis, they were so good at, you know, if you turned your head and lost track of your, your, your girl for, for a split second, they would just automatically hit that backdoor cut. So, you know, that practices leading up to there, we work three on three backdoor cuts where, you know, it had to start from the top, pass to the wing, basket cut into a ball screen, into a backdoor cut, you know, and, and just constantly, I feel I can teach defense through the three on three and it exposes players in the three on three. It's so much easier to watch three players than it is five in a practice situation. And, and we just really do almost everything defensively out of the three on three. So that's just some points defensively that we work on daily. Yeah, and then that, I think that three-on-three three piece, uh, you know, you get more reps that way too, I think, right? You, you're able to get uh, girls in there a little bit more and, and rotate groups and, like you said, really break it down and see what everybody can do. I, I really like that. Yeah, I, you know, if you, if you have a player that is struggling on the defensive end or that's not their strong point, that girl stays in. You know, she needs more reps of how I'm defending that ball screen, how I'm going to defend that basket cut. So, you know, maybe we'll rotate two new ones in on defense and that one will stay. Or, you know, we come back to that defense did everything perfect, those three, but the one girl wasn't talking defensively on the ball screen, even though she played it right, she didn't communicate the switch um, or, or talk on that blind screen. She's going to stay in, even though she did all the footwork right and was in the right position. You know, we just emphasize that from right away that, this is how you're going to communicate that um, day one, and it gets better. Excellent. So, coach, playing hard on defense, um, communicating those things. You guys get the ball. What's your goal on offense? Well, the last three years, the goal has been to get the ball to my first team all staters and Audie Crooks and Molly Joyce. You know, I mean, when you've got two players like that, uh, obviously a lot of our offense runs through two phenomenal players, and I've been so lucky to be able to coach them players but um you know in our offense we start you know with having an Audi on uh, a 6-3 girl inside you know we've got to go inside out a lot you know she's got to get our touches and, and you know some things we've done offensively to um help us out I guess is you know I've always been you fit your offense to what team you have. I don't have an offense that we just run every single year because that's what we do. I try to base it on who our players are. You know, the sets we do throw in, you know, is, is off the players we have. You know, some things have been the same the last three years because we've had uh, Mollies and Audis and players that are the same every single year. But, you know, some just concepts concepts that we put in is, you know, to make it easier for me from the side point piece, because we're, a, you know, a motion offensive team that I don't dictate a lot on sets every single time down. We, we have sets, but it's not every single time that we run them. 
And then when we get into a good flow of the game, the last thing I want to do is stop that flow to have them set up in a set. Uh, we use colors from the sideline. So a lot of players have colors. So say my point guard is an all stater and she needs a shot out of our motion offense. You know, our motion offense is cyclone and we will, uh, we go cyclone green. Molly's color is green. That's telling us that uh, Molly needs a shot out of this offense. You know, um, so we need to work the ball. We need to get ball reversal till Molly gets the ball in a one-on-one -on -one situation or, or a gap situation that she could take advantage of that, you know, and, you know, Audie has a different color with blue. So if we've went four or five possessions and my Allstate uh, um, post hasn't had a touch in a while, we've got to go cyclone blue and we got to get her a touch, you know, so it's not a set I've got to, but we need to work that motion offense until we get that mismatch, that player, um, the ball in space. And, and, you know, and we work, so, you know, a lot of players have colors that, you know, that, that we just work through with that um, to maybe get their touch and create mismatches through, through, through that um, color scheme of a motion offense. Um, that's really interesting, Coach. I'd like to ask you a little bit about that motion. It sounds to me like it's not a patterned motion. You know, there's a lot of freedom for kids, so it's not necessarily that they have to follow a pattern. I guess I'd like to ask, what are kind of the pillars of your motion offense? It starts with getting, you know, you have very talented players. You want to get them as many shots as possible. So I know it starts with that. But what are maybe the actions, the things you're doing to try and get those girls into a spot where they can be successful? You know, we've got... Typically, a lot of ours is four out, one in, or five out. We'll even bring our post player out. And, you know, we give the kids a freedom, whether they pass, they have a choice whether to pass and, and they cut to the basket, put their head under the rim and go opposite. They have a choice whether to pass and ball screen. They have a dribble handoff or a pass and screen away where we're looking to curl off the screen to the middle of the floor. And, and I give them that freedom to choose which one they're going to do each time down. Now, it could be in our game plan and practice that I think they do a poor job of off the ball screens and communicating that. So we're going to look early in the game to pass the ball to the wing, and we're going to look to screen away and curl cut that really hard off of the perimeter and put pressure on that off the ball switch as long as we set that screen immediately. And then if they are switching that, now do I have an average player, defensive player on my all-state point guard that I can have her pop right back. And now we get in a one-on-one -on -one situation with her to start our offense. You know, um, constantly trying to create that mismatch versus a man-to-man a -man is, is what we try all the time. Now, we see a lot of zone. We see a lot of zone. Um, and, and we have tried to, I used to be more of a pattern zone player or coach. And, uh, we've tried to base a lot of them principles that we do also against zone also, you know, of not getting so much go to this spot, or you have to be at this high post or this short quarter has to be there. Yes, we have that stuff, but, you know, spreading the floor and giving them ways to just screen the zone flash to the open areas and, and create two on ones on the backside of just being able of players just playing together and, um, um, and knowing the right way to find the gap, you know, in man, we can spread the floor and, and, and 
have players in different uh, areas where in a zone, we just preach, okay, shift a little bit and get into the gap here of this. Everything's the same. You can still pass and ball screen that zone just like it. It creates the two-on-one on the opposite side of the floor. And that's what we're looking to do. And, and, and just getting that concept rolling on offense. Yeah, you jumped into my next question. I was going to say with a, a girl like Audie, probably preparing for zone or, or really sinking type man-to-man defenses, I was, I was going to kind of ask, you know, how, do, how does that adjust things? Uh, and you spoke to it there with the zone. I guess maybe I'd ask, how does it change? What are the things maybe you're trying to do to get Audie the ball if teams are really selling out and, and trying to make that difficult, which I assume you face night in and night out? <laughs> we do. And, uh, you know, some, some success we've had, with getting Audie the ball is keeping her opposite of the play quite a bit, you know, um, uh, too much. If you're, you're going to flash your, your great post and, and keep them ball side in that post up situation, it's easier to uh, have that double in that sandwich there on the ball side. You know, we found quite a bit um, is keeping her opposite quick reversal or skip and letting her seal on that backside is has really been opened up um, some things on that back side um, from that and, and just allowing Audie to come out and set a screen sometimes um, with Molly and get into a two-man game. Um, and anytime we can keep Audie opposite, Molly can get to the basket. I mean, um, you know, that dump down pass to Audie opposite is, has, has been a lot of success for us. And, you know, offensively, we've you know, having players like we have the last few years obviously is is a big advantage over a lot of teams. Um, but, you know, we work a lot on, you know, we post entry passes in practice, you know, um, you know, the, I, I've heard over the last three years, you know, a lot of people say, well, they're junk passes when we just throw it up high to Audi. That junk pass has been worked on in practice uh, four days a week for the last three years of where to throw it how to throw the lob, how, where to throw it on dribble penetration. It's drilled in every single day in practice. So I actually take a compliment that people are saying, how do they put them passes right there? Because it is worked on every day in practice. So, you know, we have players that understand where the ball needs to go and, you know, why we won a championship this year was just unselfish play, you know, unselfish play, which is a lot of fun to watch. Absolutely. Uh, another good transition coach. I, I, you talked earlier about practice. You just talked there about like, Hey, we practice these passes all the time. So my next question for you, I, I'm a big, I love practice as well. It's probably my favorite part of being a coach in terms of the day in and day out stuff. Um, what's a typical practice plan for you guys look like? And, and I'm probably talking more beginning of the year, not a game prep type practice plan, sort of a general, you know, we're going to install, we're just working on this and getting better. What, what's practice look like for you? You know, we start every day with, you know, given the first five minutes for the players to shoot around, get their talking out, I guess. I mean, we, if you coach girls long enough, they need that little five minutes after school, 10 minutes after school to get their chit chat done. And, and we just give them that time. You know, you're not going to, uh, I'd rather give them the first five, seven, 10 minutes of practice, get it done with while they half shoot around, half talk about how their day is going. And, and it's just easier that way to get that out of the way. We get into our stretch, our breakdown, our talk uh, in, the, in the middle after that of just, you know, 
I tell them on some points that we need to get after and do better in practice and how we're going to do that. And then we go immediately into any type of new sets I want to put in, any new out-of-bounds plays, do it immediately before we even get into practice. I mean, they're going to be the freshest brain-wise as you're going to get them in that hour and a half practice right away. So if I want to put a new zone set in or our, our assistant coach wants to put a new baseline out-of-bounds play in, that's the time to do it right there, right at the beginning of practice. And then we get, um, after that, we get into our full court competitive drills and music playing. You know, anytime there's not teaching and they're playing up and down, we have the music cranked in practice. Players are playing with music going. We're getting a tempo of that practice up um, to where it needs to be to be competitive. So anytime that we're doing three on two, any type of full court drill, any type of transition, drill like that music's playing in our practice all the time and you know and every day we do about 20-25 minutes of full court competitive drills um, advantage drills that you know four on five three on five making the extra pass drills we just spend 20-25 minutes a day on that and then we get into our shooting series and we we take a lot of shots we shoot the ball a lot in practice we spend at least 30 minutes every practice on shooting drills. And, and, you know, I really think, you know, if you want to be a good shooting team, you need to commit that much time to it. Same thing in shooting drills, whether that, you know, my assistants will each have some shooting drills, I'll have a couple and we'll just, uh, you know, um, put the players through them. Music's cranked. It's rolling when they're shooting and, and, and players are getting their reps into there. After that, we get into our defensive breakdown. What are we teaching that day out of the three on three? You know, um, you know, early in the year, it's a lot of, um, you know, step into the ball on basket cuts. Don't allow in that player to cut your face, how you're defending the ball screen, how we want, you know, the post and that communication stuff. You know, um, we'll have an assistant coach do a closeout drill, one do a box out drill, you know. And then I'll put, you know, a hard rip on rebound with an outlet, you know, and, uh, and, and we'll work them drills into defensively. We'll work some uh, post passing and then we go into just execution. And I try to end practice a lot with, you know, something fun. You know, we run 20 and a half where they've got to run. They, we put them into two teams, make 10 two point shots, 10 three point shots, and then a half quarter first one does. And that ends practice, you know, something fun like that to, you know, keep the energy up. We don't go, you know, something that I used to go is the first couple of weeks of practice. We went two and a half, three hours of practice the first week, especially the first week when we didn't have the boys with us, that we could literally have the gym to whenever we wanted. Um, and we weren't having the high school boys team bounce us out. We'd go three hours. Not anymore. We go an hour and a half, maybe an hour and 40 maximum. And, and that's just what we do is we get in, we get out. We're not going to sit around there all day. Um, uh, and, and you can't teach everything all in one day. You know, you feel you got a lot, but you're going to teach a lot as the season goes on. And, and, and so we go an hour and a half, hour and 40, and, and we're out of there every day. Absolutely. Well, I really love that, Coach. Appreciate you sharing that. I um, really like the piece of installing at the beginning of practice. That's something we've gone to as well. Um, really got it from more of my football coaches and watching them and you know plays are so important in football and they get it out of the way right away and then they always come back to it I think that's a um, I think that's a neat idea uh, coach it's about time to wrap it up here 
Um, I'll leave with one question. Is there just anything you'd like to share for anybody listening to this, maybe young coaches or anything, a piece of advice before we go? You know, I, I just, you know, you don't be afraid to, I mean, something I did always is I always reached out to veteran coaches and asked them, you know, a lot of questions, bounced ideas off of guys that have been around a long time and, you know, um, nothing secret to share anymore. I mean, everybody has their sets, everyone has their plays, everything uh, that, I mean, I'm always okay with, you know, giving anybody anything I want. And I've never met any, you know, veteran coach that's scared to uh, share anything uh, that they have on the table. You know, we have, we steal everything that we have from other great teams in the state. You know, we have plays called Wash and Jefferson and, uh, um, uh, and West and stuff like that. Cause those are great plays from them and ideas I've got from, uh, um, those teams that, uh, don't be afraid to reach out to your veteran coaches. And, uh, um, if you're having a problem, you know, uh, let them help you through it. It, it helped me a lot early on in my career. And I still do. I still have, I still have six, seven coaches in my phone that I talk to at least once or twice every single week of, you know, what are some new ideas? We're really struggling in this area. What's something new I can bring to my team, you know, um, this week, you know, you got to keep things uh, not getting the same drill, same habit every single day. It's got to be fresh. If you uh, basketball season's a three and a half month sport, um, then that's just the in season. And, and everybody knows what the off season deals with too, with getting kids in the gym. But if it's not fresh, if it's new and kids are getting bored, they're going to go through the motions and then you're just wasting your time. So keep things fresh, reach out to other coaches and, uh, and bounce ideas off of each other. Awesome. Well, coach, thanks for taking the time. Thanks for sharing today. Um, really appreciate it and look forward to watching uh, your team play this upcoming season. All right. Thanks a lot for having me. Thanks for listening. As always, if you guys enjoyed the show, go ahead and try and give us a rating wherever you listen to the podcast at. I think it'll help boost us up and get, make us available for others to listen. And then please share with anybody who you think might be interested as well. Uh, once again, thank you for joining us today.